Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the show. And I told you I was going to start doing this more frequently. It's like two times in two days. We're going to talk some UVA basketball here on the podcast. Uh, Virginia with, gosh, one of the more enjoyable wins as a fan I've seen in years. And 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 then when you go from the analytical perspective, maybe the the most thorough win for a Virginia team over a quality opponent since, dare I say, the 2018-2019 season. Virginia 60, Miami 38, Monday night, big Monday in JPJ. And what a great crowd there was for the game. Great energy in the building. Except for the Miami kids. Uh, you know, Virginia took Miami out of the game with a 12-0 run after Virginia only scored one basket in the first almost six minutes, down 7-2. to 12-0 run makes it 14-7. to seven. Uh, A couple of baskets by Miami got it within three. Then another run, 11 nothing for Virginia. The Hoos led 29-17 at the half. Another 18-4 to four run out of the uh, halftime break over the next eight minutes. And, man, run, run, run. And that game was over. And, um, I mean, Miami 38 points, averaging 80.8 per game on the season. Just an amazing feat defensively. Virginia running really efficient offense, 5 of 11 from 3. Uh, I think it was 46% from the field, three turnovers in the game. Uh, I mean, everything you can say about that game and more, uh, Virginia did well. Um, and did it all with just two guys scoring in double figures. Um Jake Groves fueled the first couple of runs. He finished with 12 points in 16 minutes. Uh, he's shooting 50% from three-point range this season. Reese Beekman in front of about a dozen NBA scouts, and I might be underestimating that number, uh, you sitting up there with us in the quote-unquote media section uh, towards the back of section 107. Uh, there were a couple of rows of NBA scouts in attendance for this one, and Beekman made himself some money last night, 6 of 11 from the floor. Seven assists, one turnover. And then on defense, he pitched a shutout. The guys he was guarding, no points on 0 of 7 shooting. Now, you can't do much better than that. Ryan Dunn, eight points, uh, four of five shooting, eight rebounds. And on defense, he gave up three points. He had two blocks and two steals. So Dunn may have made some money too, or at least um, he's giving himself more to think about when the season comes to an end about his future. Done a projected potential lottery pick if he comes out as a sophomore, though there is still a lot of work to his game needs to be done. He could get paid to do that. That might be an, an option for him. Um, so big win for Virginia. Uh, there wasn't much for me to say in my postgame recap. So <laughs> the first story that we wrote when I got back to the home office was uh, about Jim Laranaga's press conference after uh, you know, I was looking forward to it. I, I don't attend the press conferences anymore. Scott German from AFP does. He goes down and and monitors those. And he came back to me after. Uh, I, I stay up on press row and write my game recap. And my game recap is different than others, obviously. Um, more analytical than anything else. But it's the story I write right after the game. And um, he comes up and says, you're not going to believe it, Chris. Uh, Larry Nega. Uh, didn't take any questions. He came came in, sat down, any questions, and left. As it turns out, it, he took one question. <laughs> um, a question I didn't quite get from the the video on YouTube that Virginia Athletics put up. Something about the how the game turned, and uh, his answer, uh, his one answer was uh, the game. Uh, uh, 
Uh, they just outplayed us in every aspect of the game. We didn't play well. They played really well. Thank you for your attention. Got up and left. 27 seconds. He was done. I was actually looking forward to I mean, Larry Nega is usually a, a glib guy. He's a New York New Yorker through and through, so he'll be brutally honest. I mean, I guess that was him being brutally honest. I really wanted to hear what he had to say, though, about what Virginia was able to do, suffocating his team uh, with Virginia's defense. I mean, things of that nature. He He was having none of it. In fact, I noted that According to Scott, uh, you know, Tony Bennett is usually a guy who comes out. He's the first guy for a press conference, no matter what. He wants to get it over and done with. He hates talking to the media. Uh, it's just one of his his quirks. We all have our quirks. Um, and Tony will you know, talk briefly to his team, come in and deal with the media, and then he's done. Um, <laughs> Larry Nega beat him to the punch last night. According to Scott, uh, people were still getting into their seats from walking down from the uh, media section upstairs. And... Um, Larry Nega was already like, okay, let's get this over with. And he got it over with pretty quick. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I, you know, just 27 seconds, man. Best post-game presser I've ever seen in my estimation as far as that goes. Um, my, five, my five observations, if I can spit that out from last night. Uh, you know, I, I gave you some numbers uh, briefly. 38 points, that's the lowest Miami's had in an ACC game in its history. Uh, averaging 80.8 coming in. Norchad Omir uh, came in averaging 19.9 points, 9.2 boards. He had 13 boards and 11 points, so he actually had a decent game for a team that scored 38 points. The other guys, not so much. The, the three other guys on this Miami team averaged 14-plus a game. Matthew Cleveland had uh, one of four shooting two points in 30 minutes. He shot the ball four times. Uh, Nigel Pack came in averaging 14.7 points. He had two free throws for his two points in 33 minutes. And Wuga Poplar uh, had come in averaging 14.2 points. He had eight. So he had the best game of those three, three of 12 shooting in 31 minutes. Just amazing what Virginia was able to, to do defensively against a really good Miami offensive team. Um, getting more to the Beekman and Dunn thing, uh, Beekman, his 16 points was on six of 11 shooting. He had to seven assists, one turnover. Um, and Dunn, you know, Dunn's game, I, I've said this the last couple of weeks, you know, trying to explain to people why, you know, he, he doesn't do more on offense in some games. His game is derivative. I like, that's what I've, what I've termed, uh, his game. He, he's not a guy, at least at this point in his career, Dunn's not a guy that's going to create his own shot. You're not going to give him the ball, clear out for him, uh, and expect him to dribble drive past the guy and do anything with it. Either hit a mid range jump shot, uh, you know, step back three get to the rim on his own. He's a guy that needs to be set up on his shots, uh, whether it be a, a you know pass uh, as he's cutting through the lane, a, a pick and roll, him running off a screen, the, the little pocket pass, as they call it, uh, in the uh, mover blocker offense, or offensive rebound. That's how he gets his points. Um, and when he doesn't do that, he's still valuable to the team, setting his screens and then playing defense and rebounding. He's the team's leading rebounder. He's uh, one of the uh, best shot blockers in the country. Um, but, uh, uh, he, he, he did what he needed to do last night from that sense. I still, you know, analyzing him as an NBA prospect, uh, he could, he could improve his stock if he would were to be able to develop, uh, the ability to create some of his own shots, but, you know, he'll have to decide, uh, his, his future in that respect. Uh, last night, Virginia 13 of 17 at the rim, um, Beekman was five of six at the rim, uh, as far as that goes. Also, uh, the other, the four of five for Dunn, it was four of five at the rim. Um, and uh, 
let's see, what was the other thing here? Yeah, uh, Miami didn't foul much, six fouls in a game. And when I first saw that, I thought, oh, wow, six fouls. That's all they had. Sometimes when you have six fouls in a game, it's because you've played really good defense without having to make contact. Sometimes it's because you didn't play good defense at all. And I think it was more the fact uh, the latter last night for for Miami. In fact, Larry Nago went to his own a few times uh, to try to do something different because Virginia was getting so many good looks out of its mover blocker, um, either the threes or uh, the pocket passes or mid-range shots. Uh, the zone didn't work either. That just left guys open for threes. Uh, and also they were able to get inside the zone. Virginia exposed a lot, at least last night. I've, I've not watched Miami uh, closely this season, just seen them here and there. Um, so I don't know if if defense is an issue for this team uh, in general this season. But last night, did not see a lot of good defense. They, they gave up just 60 points, you want to say, but Virginia had 53 possessions in a game. It was a low possession game, low, very slow tempo game. And Virginia took a great advantage of Miami's uh, lack of will on defense last night. Uh, big night for Blake Buchanan was one of my observations. Not counting numbers-wise, um, six points on three of seven shooting, two rebounds, two blocks, and a steal in 22 minutes. But the number that stands out the most was his plus-minus of plus 25. Uh, Jordan Minor got an early foul, had to go to the bench. Uh, Tony Bennett decided to go to Buchanan, and, uh, you know, I know myself uh, – Buchanan uh, has been overpowered at times this season by big guys in the post. I mean, early in the season, think about that Wisconsin game as an example uh, of that. Uh, and so, you know, him having to guard Omir was definitely something that was frightening to, to think about. He held his own and more. Uh, that's why you see a plus 25 and his plus minus. That's, you know, that's, that's astounding for a guy who played 22 minutes. So um, that's uh that's a feather in a cap there. I mean, Jordan Minor and his insertion in the starting lineup was what turned this team around. Uh, Virginia's won seven straight now, and they're seven and one in minor starts. If, though, we can see a lot more of that kind of thing out of Blake Buchanan, that just makes Virginia even more dangerous because if one guy gets into foul trouble, you got the other guy back there. Um, wanted to go into something. I, I got a great email this morning from a regular reader, Russell. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot, uh, writing a lot about on the website uh, about the Andrew Rohde issue. Let's just call it that. A, you know, kid starting, it was a 17-point-a-game score last year, transferred in from St. Thomas. Um, and he's really struggled at Virginia, averaging less than five points a game. Uh, and the, 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 you know, the back and forth with readers, et cetera, has been, should Rohde even be playing at all, much less starting for this team? Russell's opinion, I uh, just wanted to add in my two cents. I think he's going to end up being a good player for the Hoos. Agree he should not be getting 30 minutes a game. 20 or so is okay. Now, I'll, I'll read through what, and this is on the website, but I'll read through what uh, Russell had to say. He's better than what he's shown offensively, I believe. He can drive the basket, has a decent outside shot. He seems scared to drive at this point. When he is open, he usually converts at a good percentage. And I'm gonna, that's a point I'll, I'll make when I looked at the numbers. Um, cause what you see with your eyes sometimes is, is maybe not what the stats will tell you. Strange thing. Strange thing I've noticed Russell said is he ends up taking at least one or two shots. He has to hoist up to beat the shot clock. Uh, and that's, uh, why his shooting percentage may not be as good as it could be. Uh, so I'll have a point about that as well. He's a solid defender. His size creates problems for those he guards. And, uh, I like Dante Harris. Do not love a shot selection. Tane Murray's played really well. Hope he continues to get minutes. And if UVA can get the best version of Rhodey, uh, this will be a better team. So 
you know, I understand why Rody plays. He one thing he does, he's he does create uh he's he's as a as a sort of a point guard, you know, bigger point guard, kind of like a Ty Jerome point guard. He creates he he's averages just under three assists a game, and he's averaged more than that. His numbers have gone down lately. He's he's careful with the ball. His his turnover assist to turnover ratio is two point five to one. And defensively, he is pretty good. Offensively, though, he is a big, big liability for this team. Um, you know, Rody plays a, a, a lot because Tony Bennett, since the year with Kihei Clark uh, and Ty Jerome starting the national championship year, Tony likes to play with two guys who are great ball handlers, basically, or point guards on the floor. He plays three guards, so you can get away with that. Uh, because your your third guard ends up being a two guard in most people's systems, and you play with two forwards who set screens for you on offense. So he's he's but Tony's been getting away from that of late. I pointed out that last night, uh, the three guys who play point for Tony, uh, being Beekman, Rody, and then Dante Harris off the bench, played a total of fifty seven minutes. And if you think, and you know, I wanted to check and make sure that wasn't just because last night was a a uh, blowout game with a lot of uh, trash uh, garbage minutes. Um, when you think that the numbers should have to add up to 80, if you play you know, 40 minutes in two positions as 80 minutes, and those three guys playing those two positions played 57, the Clemson game, which was a tight game, those three guys played 62 minutes. The NC State game, they played 72, but there were 90 minutes of floor time for those two positions because that game was overtime. So uh, even that one, he went, Tony went 18 minutes without, with just one point guard on the floor. Uh, 18 minutes in a Clemson game, 23 minutes last night. So Tony's getting away a little bit from that philosophy where he always has to have two point guards on the floor. Um, and so there's there's one factor there. And on the shooting side of things, I had to point a couple things out. Uh, I subscribe to a number of uh, sports analytics, basketball analytics sites. One of them is a, a site called Synergy Sports. Um, uh, on open shots, so the observation from Russell was that uh, – you know, Rody actually makes op- you know a lot of open shots. He's eleven of thirty nine on unguarded jumpers, according to Synergy. That's twenty eight point two percent. So that belies that um, observation uh, from from our reader. Payne Murray on unguarded shots is forty seven point one percent. Also, on the uh, observation about uh, 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 Rody being good at getting to the rim, he's nine of eighteen at the rim. Um, in a lot more minutes, Tane Murray uh, in a lot less minutes is nine of 13, 69.2% on shots at a rim. Tane finishes a lot better at the rim. Um, Jake Groves of late, since Jordan Minor took over as a starting center, uh, Jake Groves has been getting a lot more minutes at the third guard spot. Uh, so that's when Tony goes away from playing two point guards on the floor. Uh, those minutes, a lot of them are going to Jake Groves, at least of late since the Jordan Minor uh, ascension of the lineup. Uh, so when you look at Groves' numbers, uh, Groves on open jumpers shoots 50%, and actually on contested jumpers is even better, 51.5%. Interesting. Um, defensively, yeah, uh, Rody is 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 better. He's uh, he, he gives up a, a average of 0. 0.780 points per possession. Um, that's a very good number according to Synergy. Murray at, uh, allows 0. 0.829 points per possession. What that means, essentially over 100 possessions, uh, Rody would give up 78 points. Murray would give up 82.9, 83 points. So five more points over 100 possessions. Um, the numbers for Groves, uh, when he's playing either the three or four spot, not the five spot, uh, he's giving up, uh, where's the number here? Uh, 0.846, so 84.6 per 100 possessions. So, there, I mean, there's a difference there. Rody's better. Uh, 
Uh, he's about six point seven, almost seven points better per hundred possessions than um, than Groves. But then Groves on the other side is a much better shooter. Um, then there was the observation about the late shot clock shots. And it's a fair observation. I mean, you know, if a guy's shooting a lot of shots at the end of shot clocks, those are rushed shots in a lot of cases. Uh, you're going to have a lower percentage because you have less time to, I mean, you got to pull the trigger. Um, so there's a stat for everything. Now, an, another uh, uh, subscription site that I pay to have access to their numbers called Hoop Math. Uh, Hoop Math says that in those last five seconds of shot clock situations, there's a number for everything. Isaac McNeely leads a team um, with 50 field goal attempts in the last five seconds of a shot clock, and he's 21 of 50 on those shots. That's not bad, 42% on those rush shots. And he's 11 of 21 from three. So, okay, next time you're watching, pay attention. Uh, let's get the ball to Isaac McNeely in the last five seconds, right? Uh, not surprisingly, Reese Beekman has a lot of those shots, 47. Uh, balls in his hands a lot. He's 16 of 47, 34% on those shots. The Nurse Groves, 11 of 28, 39.3%. He's 7 of 15 from three. So another guy to look for late in the shot clock. Then there's Rody. He's 6 of 26, 23.1%, 3 of 19 from three. Um, those numbers, unfortunately for him, track with his season-long numbers in a lot of ways. It's not like he's shooting a lot. In fact, he doesn't. he's uh, tied for fourth. I know that uh, actually Ryan Dunn has 26 attempts in late shot clock situations as well. So... I'm not suggesting, and you know, like some are, that uh, Andrew Rohde should be benched to the point of not playing. But I think his numbers uh, should be uh, diminished from where they are. I'd like to see more of them go to Tane Murray. I'd like to see more of them go to Jake Groves. Um, but, uh, you know, Tony has his reasons, as we all know, and it's his team. But uh, I'm just here to tell you what the numbers say. Uh, one last place where I can tell you what the numbers say, and then we'll be wrapping up the show here, and this one's a quick one, but updating the metrics where Virginia stands with the computers after that win last night. Uh, you know, people, Virginia fans have been fretting the last few weeks. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? Joe Lunardi says something, and Joe Lunardi's supposed to be an expert, and what's going to happen? Um, I have long subscribed to the theory, even back when we were all thinking Tony Bennett is ready to hang it up when <laughs> Virginia was two and three and getting blown out every time they left JPJ, that just chase quality basketball and the rest of it will take care of itself. And now seven wins in a row later, you know, things are looking pretty, uh, but, you know, things can go back and forth, certainly, and they will. It's February. Um, looking at the metrics now, after I've said all that, uh, Virginia uh, did itself well last night with that win. Not just obviously, I mean, impressing the hell out of anybody who pays attention to college basketball, holding Miami to 38 points, winning by 22. Uh, but in the computer rankings, computers don't have feelings. They don't watch games. They just look at the numbers and take what their algorithms are programmed to tip, spit back out. Um, Virginia improved in all the major metrics. Uh, there are six that the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee uses. Uh, Virginia improved in all of them. Uh, right now, the average rank is 33. Uh, NET, which a lot of people think is the only one that uh, uh, is used by the sele uh, selection committee, Virginia improved from 42 to 32. So a 10-point jump there. The average uh, ranking jump was 5.7 from earlier in the day yesterday till after the games last night. So Virginia right now ranking 33rd as an average. Uh, that would suggest an eight seed in the tournament. I think Lunardi has Virginia as one of the last four buys, which would suggest an 11 seed for this team. Um, 
and uh, you know that that is what it is. Uh, the the metrics say otherwise, and and you know, and here's the thing: going back to where it is, it's. And I'm looking at my calendar here. It's February sixth. The season ends. What would it be? March 9th, uh, home game with Georgia Tech. That's still more than a month away. Four weeks from this uh, Saturday, right? Uh, Virginia is 9-3 in the ACC. That means there's eight more games to play. Uh, there's some tough ones in there, obviously. Duke and Carolina both at Virginia Tech. Uh, at Florida State this weekend. We'll have a preview of that coming up in the next couple of days. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, 9-3 and three and being an eight seed uh, isn't, uh, you know, where we are. Uh, or, or where we're going to be, I should say. It's where we are. It's not where we're going to be. And, uh, you know, things can improve or or fall back. Uh, but just keep chasing that quality basketball. You know, if teams are going to start adjusting uh, to what Virginia's adjustments have been, you know, putting a, uh, Jordan Minor in the game, uh, playing a true center at that position, getting the good minutes out as a backup from Blake Buchanan. Uh, so, you know, you give you give good coaches enough time to, to think things through and they'll figure out a counter and then it's going to be can Virginia counter or the counter um, seeing the more improved minutes for uh, Jake Groves is already part of a response from Tony Bennett. Uh, but we'll see, you know, things have to continue to get, you know, tweaked as the season goes on. But I like the way I like where this team is right now, defensively, obviously 38 points to a Miami team offensively, I think looking better too. Um, this team's a lot better than it was a month ago. It's a lot better than it was at the start of the season. It's starting to live up to, I mean, <laughs> I'm the idiot. At least I felt like I was an idiot a few weeks ago when I was looking at two and three in the ACC, all these blowout losses on the road. You know, I crowed a lot back in October about how I thought this Virginia team was being overlooked as an ACC title contender, because I thought that this league was down to Carolina and, and Virginia. And I thought that Virginia might have the advantage um, as it you know went two and three with all those blowout losses on the road to you know one to a not very good Notre Dame team you know good NC State and Wake Forest teams but they shouldn't beat you as badly as they did um, I felt pretty stupid for having gone off you know gone off on uh, how how Virginia was being overlooked but you know now at nine and three with some quality wins uh, some momentum moving forward uh, this is something that uh, we can all feel good about just got to keep going just got to keep getting that quality basketball plugged away there so. Uh, wrapping up the podcast here. Uh, keep those mailbag emails coming in, man. I tell you what, people ask really good questions. Uh, you know, I'm not surprised this Virginia fan base. I mean, one, we're we're you know mostly Virginia people, right? So we're UVA alums in a lot of cases. Most cases, um, those who aren't are smart people anyway. And then to appreciate Virginia basketball. Uh, you know, Tony Bennett doesn't roll the ball out there and ask his guys to just go play hard. Um, it's a system. It takes a lot to to play, and it takes a lot to watch. Um, we have all learned a lot about basketball in these last 15 years, right? Um, so, no, but I love the questions. I love, uh, you know, people challenging and uh, wanting to know more, and, and it makes me know more when I have to look up the answer. So, uh, please... Uh, if you uh, want me to address something in a future mailbag, a uh, future podcast, please email me at chris at augustafreepress.com.